0: This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 virtual ticket presenting sponsor, Amazon Music.
1: All right, we don't have much time, I've been told. We have exactly 43 minutes to get through this incredible panel session here. Thank you so much to everybody that's here. Hi. Hello. I'm so glad to see so many friends here to have this conversation here together with these amazing people. So I'm going to introduce myself really quick. My name is Elsie Escobar and my pronouns are she, her, and I've had the privilege of working in podcasting now f- and but since before I was a mother, and now my oldest child is 14, so that's how <laughs> thats how long I've been doing this thing through Libsyn. I am the director of community and content at Libsyn. I'm also co-founder of She Podcast and I was the first uh, Latina uh, immigrant inducted into the Podcasting Hall of Fame in 2017. Um, Thank you. I've been able to work in almost every single vertical in podcasting, everything from getting podcasters um, in advertising campaigns with brands like Puma to running multiple online communities to producing close to 700 podcasts, episodes, not podcasts because that would be, whoa, episodes. That would be a lot, yeah. Um, And, you know, including mentorship experiences for podcasters. So this year is really year 16 of me breathing and living in podcasting. Now, before I move into Speaking with a beautiful panel here, I just want you guys to check out my Twitter account at The LC Escobar. I have a thread that I've pinned t- to the top of that profile that you're welcome to go check out. It's got all of their handles, all of their information, and a lot of the big key, key takeaways that I probably won't get to so that you all can move forward. What I really want you all to do as you listen here is to really take in some of the things that they are saying, see what you can take action with today in either supporting any of us up here, because as you support us here, you support the entire industry. Now, um, one of the reasons that I uh, started this specific panel here, I'm gonna get to in a moment, but before that, I'm gonna go ahead and start Introducing them really quickly. Uh, this is Anna Gogo. Um, her pronouns are she/her. I'm not quite sure what Anna has not done, so she is literally not exaggerating. Is your one-stop shop for all things podcasting. She builds community through Black Co- Black Pod Collective, curates experiences through Black. Uh, Festival, produces media specializing in podcasting through Adobe media. Stevie Manns, their pronouns are they, them. Scottish audio producer and podcast consultant now living in New York. They produce two of their own podcasts. This next Songs about a songwriter's podcast and Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek <laughs> podcast. They are also a podcast producer for Black Rock producing their podcast, The Bid. Um, Other Stevie Things, they're a songwriter and hold a law degree from Aberdeen University. Lori Sims... Her pronouns are she, her. Lori is an accomplished executive leader with a passion for transforming technology into products and services. As president of Libsyn, she led the company's strategic vision and execution, growing the company from a startup to a leader in the podcasting industry with over 24 million in profitable businesses. In 2021, she was named as one of the podcast power players by Insider Radio. uh, And she now serves as Libsyn's chief operating officer. Tangia Estrada, she, her, is a former campaign director and community organizer turned public relations pro. Tangia is the founder and principal consultant of Tangia Renee Consulting and co-founder of BIPOC Podcast Creators. She's also the host of her own podcast called That's What She Did. So, why this panel? I started a movement in March, which is hashtag claim pod parody. And it really was just in the fact that some, a lot of marginalized genders are still not visible, not recognized, and essentially not seen, and often not giving the opportunities that um, we, are, we duly uh, noted or cl- we need to claim. And most of the time, it's not because we're not around. It's just simply, it's sort of like, we don't exist, but we are absolutely there. So for me, it was a movement of collective agency. And I think that's one of the key things I want you all to take away from this, that it's not about just one person doing this, is that we can all collectively become agents of change for each other. So what is collective agency? It is where we provide mutual support and work together to secure what we cannot accomplish on our own. So that's where we start first, because we fare better when we have agency. We all can be, and this is what I want you to take away from this, every single one of you is a proxy agent, which is something that just came, like I just found out about this, and I'm going to give you a little bit of an idea as to what that is. So proxy agents are typically, typically those who hold more power and can wield it on others' behalf to support their agency, okay? So it's about the fact that you get to advocate for our agency together. Um, And we have an opportunity to do that with each other. So moving from that conversation, I'm going to start the conversation with every one of you here on the panel. And Anna, we're gonna start with you. I would love it if you can shout out a win, my love, of everything that you have accomplished. One, even though she's got a bazillion. One win. Um, Well, hello, everyone.
2: As she said, I'm Anna Gogo. Um, Can I do two? Yes, do it. Um, So one win would be opening my own studio with no loans, no debt, and really just working on my own to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So no big funding. And it's a 1,500 square foot creative studio in the heart of Atlanta. We do everything from podcasting, videography, photography. And um, that was massive for me. But doing that at the same time as launching a conference in person was probably madness on my part, but (laughs) it was a win. And so that would be my other win is having Black Pod Festival for the first time in person in Atlanta, Georgia. And we had a little over 400 people. And so that felt good. That's amazing. So we
1: think that obviously her accomplishments are massive. And I do know, Anna, that you felt like you were a little overwhelmed after all of that went down. There was something that we might, I might, if I may say, you were a little burnt out with all of the things. That's an share, understatement. That's an, yes, can you um, share a little bit about the realities of running a business and actually making it here? Whew.
2: Um, So I think oftentimes, I I can speak to two different sides. There's one side of the community builder, which I think for a lot of people of color, that's the way we're building through in this industry is being able to support each other. So Black Pod Collective and Black Pod Festival, that's work I do as a volunteer, in essence. We don't make money from that. Yes, we have monthly membership and we have over 500 members, but that money goes back into the community. And so it's very difficult to continue to do work for free when you are now a full-time creative in essence. So when I first started on this journey, I worked full-time. Well, now I produce podcasts full-time. I have a studio and I have a staff of 13 people. And so being able to support what pays my bills for something that I'm passionate about, after a while becomes very cumbersome. And so, you know, I, I think I talked about it openly. I had planned on shutting it all down. I was like, we're gonna shut down Black Pod Collective, Black Pod Festival, I've done my part. We're good to go. This was fun. All right, let's keep it pushing Um, because it was very stressful. I didn't feel like at the end of Black Pod Festival, like everybody was standing up to talk about their favorite moments. I was not checked into it. I was smiling and I was laughing and I was like, yes, thank you so much for being here. But in the back of my head, I was like, I'm ready for everyone to go because we need to break this place down. There was no parts of me that was like, oh my God, this was so exciting. And then I learned that, oh, that's called burnout. I was like, oh, I just Mm. thought something was wrong with me. I was like, maybe I don't have joy in this anymore. Um, And then my therapist was like, no, it's considered burnout. You were doing too much at once. And so I know for me, as I move forward, I have to figure out how to support my community, but also do it in a way to where I'm not killing myself in order to do so. And, you know, I I think I've talked about this. With Black Festival, a lot of brands did not believe that we could do it. Well, we've done it now. So hopefully next year will be easier. And I'm tired of having to do the things with very minimal resources in order for people to believe that we're capable of doing it.
1: Right, right, right. Very true, right? So I have one question, another question for you. What is the one thing that you want podcasting communities to know about success and longevity in podcasting?
2: I think you asking me about longevity is hilarious to me because this is three years in for me and you are like, how many years from now? (laughs) So I don't know if I can really speak about longevity. Um, The best thing I can say is it ebbs and flows. Um, It's not as glamorous as it seems because I think, you know, from the outside, looking into my story, it may look as if like, I popped up one day with an Instagram page with the community, and then three years later I opened a studio. What people don't see is the behind the scenes of I had a full-time job in corporate and also a part-time job on the side, so I was working two jobs seven days a week for two years to put money aside for this studio because I knew it was something I wanted to do. I, You know, consistently, so I talk a lot about the black community, but people don't know that. You know, I've helped with Black Effect in their launch, I've helped with Revolt in their recent launch of their podcast network. And so for me as a creative, it has required that I'm able to tap into multiple arenas. That means I can't always be my true authentic self the way I would like to, like I'm a very outspoken person, but I also recognize in order to get to where I want to be, to be able to advocate for my community doesn't mean that I have to be the one shouting from the rooftop every single time there's an injustice. Sometimes I have to sit back and watch it unfold so I can help do the work behind the scenes to make the industry better. So um, that would be my big thing is that be recognized even when you're small. If you have goals of being bigger, you can't be involved in the drama you can't yeah. be involved with. Yep. You know, I just got on Twitter, because I was like, this, this is a little spicy. I like <laughs> Instagram. I'm like, I can, yeah. I like to just post my photos on Instagram and go. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's my big thing for independent creatives, is not to be involved in every single thing. Figure out what your niche is, and be really good at that, to where people come to you for that. Um, and that would be my, my key to longevity, I guess. I'm barely here. So
1: what do you need help with? Whew, um,
2: I mean, how much time do I have? Um, but no. I, one thing they can take thing, action on today. I would say the one thing to take action on is we are in the midst of planning Black Pod Festival 2023. Um, the uh, theme, Next year is going to be the Black College Experience. What that means is everything from marching bands to a step show and everything else in between in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, That's gonna be taking place September 30th and October 1st, it's a two day conference. Um, And my big ask is that if you are a brand or you have access to a brand, we are here, we are doing the work and if you look at the information or even anybody who attended this year, everyone had nothing but amazing things to say. So um, shameless plug, we want your money. Um, nice. We want to be able to do this bigger and better. And I tell people all the time, Black Pod Festival, the stage is only open to black speakers, but anyone can come and attend as long as you are open to learning from black
1: speakers. Fantastic, thank you so much. Yes, so Stevie, <clears throat> claim, I just, I just claim, a claim a win, claim a win.
3: Claim a win, you're such a badass, I love you. Um, I think a win for me is being here, like today, being part of this, having a voice um, is really important. And in the last year, I quit a corporate job. Hilariously, I am now back in a corporate job. Um, So I quit corporate, I quit finance, and I didn't love it. It was a visa, it's fine. But I quit that to get into podcasting. And I quit finance and I quit corporate because I couldn't be myself at work. So I came out as non-binary. I was able to do that in the podcasting space. It was so welcoming. It was wonderful. And now I'm back in you know, a finance and a corporate job. And now I'm going, OK, how can I create change for other people there? So it has been, like this last year, being able to kind of quit my job, literally jumping off a cliff, not knowing what would happen. Getting into podcasting is so hard. Like if you're trying to you know, get into the industry in an industry job versus you know, kind of creating your own stuff. And that's not easy, by the way. Um, it was just so challenging not knowing what was gonna happen, what was gonna come from it, but also just knowing I had to be myself and be authentic, however that was gonna happen for me. So yeah, being here and being able to have a voice and advocating for people like me means a lot. That's great.
1: Now, I know that we've talked about visibility in the past. And so what does visibility mean to you in the podcasting industry and working as a producer?
3: Mm. <sighs> Visibility, representation, I, so one of the podcasts I host, not the Star Trek one, but the other one, the, this, it's a music podcast. And when I look up music podcasts on, on the charts, there were, I think, four that were hosted by non-men out of 200. Oh, my God. Stunning. <laughs> stunning number. And that's just sort of from what's visible, what's there. You know, representation is important, visibility is important. Like if I had seen myself when I, like at work when I was 22 or 21, I could have been myself at work. And instead, it took me 16 years to actually be able to come out at work and and sort of go through that. Had I seen somebody who looked like me, that would have been a lot easier. And what was really validating for me was when I started my new job at BlackRock, um, I joined like the trans and non-binary group and it's very small but it's growing and there was somebody who reached out to me after we had our you know monthly meeting and they had said hey you know I'm, I'm an analyst I'm like 21 um, I want to come out as non-binary like I need to can I? can I can we have coffee can we have a chat and we just had such a great conversation and they felt that they could ask me all of these questions and I was like I felt like I was able to help this person in a way that I was like I wish I had had that and it was great to be able to sort of give it to the me 16 years ago. So that's lovely. What are some
1: definitive and easy
3: ways
1: (laughs) to create an inclusive space for non-binary folk in podcasting?
3: I think if you create, you know, think about how you create space generally when you're inviting people in. Do you open with, hey, you know, my name is Stevie, my pronouns are they, them. Like, do you say, you know, you you did that today. You said, hey, I'm Elsie Escobar, my pronouns are she, her. That's a, that's a way to create that space. You know, the other ways that you can create space are, you know, having gender-neutral restrooms. But those, you know, those are sort of bigger things if you're a company that you can do. I think, you know, being inclusive and having these conversations or just allowing people to, to actually correct you. Like, when I'm misgendered, and it happens very frequently, I have to ask myself three questions in quick succession. Am I safe? Will it, do I need to do this? Will it, will it impact me? Will it matter? And thirdly, will it be received well if I correct somebody? And I have to ask those two questions to myself in about half a second. And I can be in a space where that's not possible. To do or to correct somebody and like it's fine if it happens to me and I'm misgendered and I, you know, I correct somebody and they're accepting and they're willing to do that I think that's really what I want and we can just sort of move on with it like there are many many occasions where I can't do that and that's hard so I think it's you know create a space for people where you, you can ask them and you can have these conversations and you're accepting of, of trans and non-binary people in a way that is that says to them hey I'm a safe space. I'm going to create space for you at the table. What
1: do you need the most help with?
3: I think I, I, I remember like I was doing my homework for this. And I was like, what do I need? This? Because there's not yes. sort of just one thing. But I think for me, it's, it's like, you know, check your assumptions about people's gender at the door. Um, you know, I walk into a studio, and I know what I'm doing. And, or I, I had an editor. And he was like, oh, you know, like, it's, it's, let, let me edit this one. And I'm like, I, you know. I've produced about 500 episodes, I, I'm perfectly capable and not, you know, being talked down to in a, in a way of like, oh, you can't do this because, you know, you're, you're not a, sorry, you're not a white AV man, like, I love you guys, you're, you're wonderful, but like, there are a lot of white men and cis <laughs> cisgendered straight white men, stop laughing, it's making me nervous, um, in that space where it's sort of difficult to walk in and go, you know, like claim my own space. So, you know, I think just... That, that would help a lot. Great,
1: heard that, heard that. All right, uh, Lori, 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 uh, time to shout out Owen.
0: Well, I have the fortunate um, to be the third here, but I would echo uh, what's already been said. I think being here, Um, really is a win, as Elsie and probably my constituents in the front row here would tell you. Um, (laughs) I've been in podcasting for 15 years, over 15 years, um, and I've never been on a stage at Podcast Movement. So I think um, having the great opportunity to do this um, and to be part of this group as well, um, I think is a win. Um, And having those conversations um, and highlighting the fact um, that you know, you have to put in the hard work um, and it is hard work um, and being supported and, and having uh, voices is really important. So I would say that that's a big win.
1: Great, great. So now in in a matter of a minute or two, how did you end up as COO of Lipsyn?
0: Uh Well, that's a long story. I know. <laughs> um, but as I said, I mean, I think that um, at a you know, at a very young age, I set very specific goals and very specific timelines. So, I come from an analytic background, I was an engineer, Uh, I knew what I wanted, and I knew what I needed to build to get there. And that was doing the hard work um, to learn, um, to be able to say, as Stevie said, I've done that, so I can now move on to the next thing, because I know how to do that. So that's basically going from hands-on engineering into product and marketing, um, you know, managing product lines that are hundreds of millions of dollars, um, and then uh, moving into operations. So that enabled me to not only know that I had the skill set to do those things um, and the confidence to say, yes, I've been there, done that, um, but it gives you a broad base for which operations uh, covers. So that's essentially how that happened.
1: So in all of these years, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced
0: in your career? Yes, again, having the, the, uh, the fortunate uh, to go third here, I think <laughs> it is exactly that. Um, being an engineer, there was no one that looked like me. Um, there was no support for someone like me in many of those environments. Um, so those were the challenges in that you had to figure it out on your own. There wasn't a lot of support. Uh, there wasn't someone who could validate what you either were feeling or seeing or needed help with. And so uh, for me, having to figure that out on my own was a big challenge. Um, and still today, uh, there are not, if you look around, there are not you know, those uh, representations that, that people can see. So that, that has been the biggest challenge.
1: What are two things to keep in mind when applying for a job in podcasting, in the podcasting tech?
0: of the sphere? That's a hard question. Um, I do think that, again, from my perspective, understanding what you want and understanding how you're going to get there um, and then presenting your skill set in a way that matches that. So a lot of times we'll get resumes um, and send your resumes in, please, because we don't get a lot of diverse resumes coming in. Um, and so that, that's one, make sure that you are applying and, and sending those resumes in because we don't see them. And um, it's hard to um, encourage diversity and inclusion when you don't have that pool of candidates coming in. Um, and the second thing, again, is put in the hard work. I mean, um, I encourage people to look at things and say, I can do that, but you also have to put in the hard work so that when you get there, you have the confidence and the skill set to do that. And ask for help. I mean, reach out to people. Um, If you are looking for a specific job, either in a vertical or in a different functional group, reach out to those people and and ask how you can improve. Um, And at the end of most interviews that I've had in my life, which have been a lot, um, I've always said, if I'm not a match for this, tell me what I need to do to improve those. And that's really important.
1: That's great. So what do you need the most help with?
0: well. I think the challenges, again, are burnout, um, support, um, reaching out, and I have found at this show that a lot of people have come up to me at the booth and said, could we get a coffee or could we, could we get together after the show or can we exchange emails? I'd really like just to talk to you about your experiences, and, um, and I think that's the most helpful. and I think those are the things that broaden your, um, your view and your experience and help you navigate by looking at things from a different angle.
1: That's great. That's great. Taking notes, people.
4: Um, all right, <laughs> Tangia,
1: claim on, your
4: win, love.
1: Claim your win. <laughs> the win.
4: win. Um, being here, of course. I think, like everyone else has said, um, a win is uh, so. My co-founder and I, Maribel, are here, we realized recently. That August is like a milestone one for us. We met in August, nice. and uh, Bipoc podcast creators officially became a business in August of last year. So nice. we're a year old. Congrats. So that's we're pretty happy about that.
1: <laughs> Woo hoo! That's amazing. So I've had the opportunity to chat with you um, in a lot of different ways we've worked together and so many different times we've had all kinds of conversations and I just every time that I've I've been able to speak with you I've always been like I just want more of that brain so this last time you know when we're prepping for this thing you um, you kind of you said something that made me really like step back and go like oh my gosh we got to talk about this so you said quote (laughs) Stop being in the industry that you don't know. Support the businesses that are already doing that work. End quote. Can you expand on that? You were talking about the podcasting industry.
4: Yes, Thanks. yes. So so there are some brands and some companies that don't want to hear this. Right? but She has to put her water down. We got to talk about this. Folks. <laughs> you know, so one thing that I see that. I want to see we, we want to see companies and big brands reaching out and coming up with ways and, and developing programs that bring in the historically excluded. right? We want to see that. And these companies have sometimes infinite amount of resources, and they're, it seems that they're, the approach that they want to take is, well, we're just going to do this program. We're, we're going to do it in-house, which is fine you can do that but my pushback to that is you're a tech company you're not in the business of elevating people that's just not what you do it's that's not your business and i believe that with your resources you could take that those resources and partner with black podcast collective You can Mm -hmm. partner with BIPOC podcast creators, with She Podcast. Go to the people that that know their community, that are working with them day in and day out, that they are in the business of elevating people. They are in the business of creating community. And you will see a deeper, more meaningful, more long-lasting impact. And people don't want to hear that. They want to say, well, we have this much budget, and we're going to hire a diversity leader, and then that person is going to run this program. But what we see happen, and I'm like, great. You need that person in your organization. You need more than one of those people. You need like a whole division. And like, I can have a whole conversation with you about what that should look like on the inside of a company. Um, But then we see that person immediately get bogged down um, because everything that lives under the umbrella of diversity or inclusion becomes that person's job, and then they're burned out in six months because they signed up to do one project, but they have ten jobs because every department is now calling on them, and it, and that's why it doesn't work. It's one of many reasons why it doesn't work, but I think brands, companies, if you really want to be, if you want to you know, walk the talk, there are already companies and organizations out here that are doing that work. And they are doing it because they are part of that community, because they love that community. They live and breathe their community every day. Uh, So take your resources to them and build something together. Yeah. And so, and there you had another thought too
1: that I was just like, yes, please. Can you please share with us? Um, What is the future
4: of the podcasting industry, Tangia? So I've been beating this drum for a while and this is the, I will die on this hill. And I believe with every fiber of my being that the future of podcasting is multicultural. It just is. I mean, all you got to do is look at the census if you don't believe me, but we have the Latino listener report. We have the black listener report. We now have the creator report. The data is already there to support what we've all been saying for a long time. Um, And some folks are late to the party. which. It happens, you're late to the party. It, it's not too late <laughs> to you know, figure out how to really create meaningful engagement with these communities that are going to be the future. What I see happening is it's hard. Like we'll be, it's hard, right? <laughs> it's hard work to do, right? And so I think that's one of the reasons why we see uh, big brands and companies putting it off. Like, they know that it's there, but it's like, if we don't acknowledge it, it doesn't exist, right? Um, And sort of putting that off and hoping that they're just going to, like, sort of figure it out at some point, but that's not how it works. You just have to start doing the work. Like, anything that you do and you want to do well, you have to just be willing to commit to it to do the work. Um, And I really think that there's going to be some companies that in five years, they're going to look around and they're going to be completely irrelevant, and they're not going to know what to do. And, And in business, if you are a relevant, then you don't have a business. So let's get it together, people. (laughs) All right. And so what do you need the most help with? Um, You know, we are a growing business and, and what we are very focused on right now is we are building towards a very clear future for BIPOC podcast creators. We believe that we, not we believe we are currently building the um, premier talent pipeline for creators of color across the entire podcast industry globally. So we have a lot of growth that we have to do. So the help that we need is is around growth. Like if you are a creator of color, you know creative colors, we want you in our community. We are very com- committed to keeping our community free for our individual creator members, we fund that through corporate sponsorships because we believe philosophically and also just from a practical standpoint that we want to take those resources and we want to give them to the individual creators because our creators individually can't be a part of every single community that they might identify with. So instead of you know, trying to compete directly with you for members, we don't want to do that. We want to say, hey, you want to be Um, part of Black Pod Collective or She Podcast or Women of Color Podcasters, great. You should absolutely be a part of those groups. Um, But we want you here as well. We're offering sort of something a little bit different and we're going to find a different way to fund that so that you are not always having to come out of pocket because the people that are the, the historically excluded are the ones that have to come out of pocket the most. And so we're just trying to find a different way. So we are here this week Um, connecting with companies that we haven't spoken to because we've tried, I think we've spoken to everybody, but (laughs) um, because we we want to take those companies that are ready to walk the talk and they can do that by sponsoring with us. So that's what we
1: need. Well,
4: thank you so much.
1: Um, We're gonna be moving into Q&A a a little bit earlier today. Uh, I do have other things to talk about if nobody has any questions. That said though, please head over to at the Elsie Escobar on Twitter, and there is a pinned post at the top of my Twitter account. And when you get there, you'll be able to connect with all of them, all of their businesses, everything that they are uh, attached to there. Please, please follow them. Do it right now. Um, <laughs> so, and be able to highlight what you you have in there. I already added some key points that maybe you wanted a little bit more clarification on that Twitter thread. I hope to be adding some of the things that were spoken to here so that we can really respond to those calls for help, right? So it's not about, it's being able to support each other collectively because we all have in some way power. Every one of us has power, even if is some less than others, for sure. But even at the at the core of, of consuming media, we have power in being able to consume media. We get to choose every day what we put in our ears, what we look at, what we share with one another. And so if maybe you don't have, maybe you're really into the things that you listen to, and you don't really like to like, mess around with anything other than that, just give yourself like once a month to test out a new episode from a new podcast that is generally excluded or has a host that you've never heard their voice before in your ears. Just listen, just the act of being able to open yourself up to different voices in your ears is, is a powerful choice. And if we do it collectively, we can get that data into all of us so that we can continue to move forward with that. So um, yes, thank you so much. So we're going to open it up to some Q and A's. If anybody has any questions for our lovely panelists here, they are a wealth of information, y'all. You're so quiet. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. I know. I, can tell what have questions about. I know. <laughs> well, here's another thing too. Do any of you have questions for one another?
4: I do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: oh, oh,
1: oh, 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 hold that thought, Tangio.
3: All right, is this working? Okay. Hi, everyone. Hello. This is a great
2: conversation. Thank you so much. Actually, I was wondering, Anna, if you could share with everyone. I don't know if you did already, but like, what was the catalyst for you to leave? I know you had a nine to five for a while. Um, I can only imagine how difficult that was to grow the community and then do that. How did you do it? How did you make that leap? And what was the catalyst? Um, so for those who don't know, my journey into podcasting was a little different. So I had just been laid off from what I thought was like my dream job. And they had a mass layoff of like 400 people. And I got a really good severance package. Like that's just the truth of it. So I decided to take a year of figure out what do you want to do. I went into healthcare because my Nigerian parents said that there's no work in communication. Um, <laughs> Cause I thought I was going to work at like a radio station. Cause I was in my, in college, I worked on the TV station, radio station, newspaper. You could not tell me that's not where I was going. And baby, my parents was like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're gonna go into healthcare, cause that's secure. And you know, they've been on earth longer, so why not? Um, but I didn't enjoy it. So getting that year to figure out, and this is not something a lot of people get to do. I had a year to figure out what I wanted to do. And in that time, um, I tapped back into event planning, cause I, I have a lot of random certifications, but I'm a certified event planner and, you know, got back into the creative world. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to go back to corporate. So that's how I started my own podcast called Fierce Ass Boss. Yep, that's what it was called. Um, And it gave me this opportunity to just kind of think through what I wanted to do. Well, in going to, like, figure out podcasting, I went to an event. And if you guys don't know anything about Atlanta, it's extremely... Very rarely do I go anywhere and I don't see a black person. So to go to an event and I literally was the only person of color, I was confused. It was my first podcasting event and I I genuinely was like, does that mean like, is this not for us? Um, and that's honestly how this started and my friends got tired of hearing me talk about podcasting and they were like you should like create an Instagram so you can meet other people who care about this <laughs> and I say this all the time this all started because my friends got tired of hearing me talk about like did you know that da 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 da?" and that's how it like if you look back on black pod collective a lot of the things were just me sharing random facts that I was learning because I'm a, like, anytime I decide to do something, I dig all the way into it. Now, in 2020, I had emergency surgery and had to go back to corporate. But I made the decision to go back to corporate with the end result being that I knew I wanted to work in podcasting full time. So, going back to work was for healthcare and, you know, needing funding because starting Black Pod Collective with no money because I didn't have a job was very hard. So, going back to corporate in April of 2020 was with the sole decision that April of 2021, I was going to leave corporate. And so, I went back to work with the end result in mind of I wanted a studio. So I started purchasing things and putting it in storage. Black Friday was my favorite time of the year, Um, and then I started looking at, okay, what are things and who are people I need to connect with? This also has a lot to do with why we launched the Collective Table. So for those who don't know, I have a dinner series that I do each year, and it's inviting the top black leaders in the podcast space. So that's Donald Albright from Tenderfoot, somebody from Pod People. This year we have somebody from Black Effect, um, Revolt, so on and so forth. It goes two folds. One, I want these people to meet each other because of the fact that I've gotten an opportunity to meet some amazing people through the work that I do. And oftentimes we don't know each other, we don't know what we're doing. But it was also for me to get plugged in to recognize how I could be of service. And what I learned is a lot of these big name companies outsource their production. I like producing. Well, let's do this. And so Adote Media was formed. And by February of 2021, I had enough clientele that was replacing my income. So I said, let's do it. And October, 2021, we opened a studio. So it, I went back to work with the end result in mind and I kept my focus on that. So did that mean I didn't get my nails done for a little bit? Yes, it was very hard, <laughs> but it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Wow, amazing. Thank you so much for that story. Hey, everybody. Uh, so I am Joanna Smith. I am actually a civil engineer. Um, I actually quit my job in 2020 as well uh, to start um, my STEM not-for-profit organization called Daily Smith STEM, uh, where we inform and expose students to STEM through roller skating uh, music and uh, Python coding, as well as um, financial literacy. So my question to you all, I know, um, the diverse audience here, I am looking to really create and start a podcast for kids um, as well as uh, folks in the space of blending like music and mathematics because usually that's how we reach our community because that's so innate for them. Um, Are there persons that you would um, I guess recommend and do you also have programs that would support programs like what I'm doing? I'm just going to give a suggestion. I'd be happy to introduce you to her. Um, Tracy works with Tenderfoot, and she also has The Ten, which is a, I think it's daily, or I think it's daily, daily podcast for kids. Um, so Tracy Kaplan, so I know she's here. Uh, her speaking engagement, so she's facing evil. They have a panel. So she's always super happy to help. So I would definitely just introduce you to her. Um, that's all I got.
4: Um. I- keep an eye out for Anthony Frazier. Uh, do you remember the name of his network?
3: Um, ABF. F.
4: ABF, yes. Uh, so they actually specialize in uh, kids programming, kids content. He's, I believe he's here, yes. I haven't seen him yet. Yes. Okay, so like know that name, go around, just asking, like, are you Anthony Frazier? Are you Anthony Frazier?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the app is also
2: really great <laughs> to connect with people, but I would, I'll
3: introduce you to him as well on I think yeah oh, I said he had a really colorful shirt on he, so I, I finally enough I was sitting next to him on the plane and I was like I love your shirt and then we came here
1: oh we have two minutes we have two minutes oh what what yes 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 one last question
3: Hi, uh, my name is Gavani. I'm from Afripods and I came in from Kenya. So for me, it's interesting because like Black Collective and everything. So how do we plug in? I'm the community manager. So how do I plug in the African community into what it is you're already doing on this side? And how do I grow it also on our side so that we're able to have our own communities that we have on our space not necessary, like what we can build on our own as well? So.
2: I'm Nigerian. Um, hey, girl. Um, <laughs> and so, with that in mind, like Naja Pods, you know, me and her have had extensive conversations. And I see that there's a lot of things happening over on the continent. Um, it's partly why in 2024, I do want to do the collective table in Ghana, because you're not going to let me do it in Nigeria, I know, um, but I do want to do it in Ghana because of the fact that between the work of Africa Podcast Day, AfriPods, Pods, Pod Hub, even what Sally's doing with uh, 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 AQ Studios, I think we're doing amazing things on the continent. The thing that I will say that I do not feel like we are doing very well here in the States is combining together. Um, So instead of it being Nightjapod tubs, Afripods, everybody being so separated, come together because of the fact that it's going to be much more powerful. And the thing about black creatives more than anything else is, there's power in our numbers and power in what we're able to do as a unit. So if you think about like, What each of you are doing separately is amazing. Even podcast sessions, she has a magazine. I would really encourage that you just come together, um, first and foremost. How you connect to what's happening here, I have not been a good steward, I will be completely honest. I have been burnt out. I know I've gotten emails um, when my life you know, is not as burnt out. I do want us to have conversations of how we can make sure we're connecting the diaspora in that capacity. So I would just say the big thing is connect, <laughs> come to these things, send emails, follow people. But on the continent, we really need to come as a force versus separated.
1: Right on. Right on. Collective agency, people, is a key takeaway. Collective agency, we have more power doing that. If anybody else has any other questions or you want to follow up, follow up on that Twitter thread. I actually have a tweet in there where you can RT or you can at reply with your questions, your takeaways and all of that stuff so we can continue adding to the conversation and following up with each other. Thank you so much for coming. (laughs) Have a wonderful day.